Hi, I'm Manjeet Minhas, and I was just on the Ryan Holtz podcast. I am co-founder and CEO of Minhas Breweries, Distilleries, and Wineries, and I am a dragon on CBC's Dragon's Den. Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Rhino Show Podcast, voted number one black hosted podcast here in Canada, top 100 in iTunes. Uh, hey, I want to thank you all for, for just the support, the love, the reviews, and if you have not hit that five-star uh, review, please smash it for a chance to win uh, a, a beautiful Amazon gift card from yours truly. Today I have one of the most amazing, amazing guests she is from Calgary, Alberta. We know her as the character on Dragon's Den, but she is the co-founder and CEO of Minhas Brewery and Distillery, uh, and she's partnered with her brother, Ravinder, which I think we're going to talk about that a little bit because, you know, sometimes we hear about the sister-brother thing. You know, is there any kind of fights or bickering? Who got the toy? Who didn't get the toy? You know, all those types of things. So, Manjeet, without further ado, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I haven't been called a character in a while, so hey, thanks for no, that. No, no, and you know what? I, I feel like, uh, you know, when you're sitting in that chair in Dragon's Den, you know, a lot of people, um, they really come to you for for a certain type of je ne sais quoi, so to speak. You know, you're you're known on the show for, for kind of holding no punches. You're very direct in your approach. Um, you're empathetic, but you're stern. And, and this leads me to my to my to my first question, Manjeet. This this is the question that I really want to ask. I know you get asked it a million times, but you know our audience can benefit. We have a lot of business owners, uh, a lot of mid level bi- business owners that are looking to either you know step up their game or, or or you know just change their business, develop it a little bit better. But what makes a great pitch? And and you know for you, do you have a formula? Like I look at you in Dragons Den, I see you got your pen, your notepad out, and it seems like you're consistently listening for for certain words, but then I see your facial expressions and sometimes it's like when certain words come out, you're completely turned off of the deal. So is there any words that you're like, stay away from those words? Is there any things that you say, listen, if you're coming to pitch, don't do this? Well, um, first of all, yeah, you know, I do believe in real talk and I do believe in honesty. I don't believe in fluff when it comes to business. I think that you don't help anybody um, as an investor or honestly, even as um, a friend or a family member or just somebody down the street when somebody's asking for their opinion, uh, for your opinion, that you you actually give your true opinions and your true thoughts um, in order to help them improve because, you know, this is their livelihoods. This is... Um, um, a lot of time and energy and in a lot of cases a lot of money their own and sometimes those around them that have invested in this dream and so I truly take that that very seriously in order to either help and to or not into steer them into a different direction um, mm. but either way definitely um, I think honesty is always the best um, I know you know nobody uh, it's not a free ride anywhere for anyone in business and so I think that mm. to pretend that it is um, is is not true. And so just to say nice things just for the sake of it doesn't help anybody. Um, you know, I think the perfect pitch always answers very, very quickly um, the who, what, where, when, and why. 
Um, mm. So kind of basically back to the basics, right? Um, I've never met any of those people in the den before. We've never heard anything, never seen a piece of paper, don't know who they are. Um, and so very quickly, um, sure, they get an hour with us, but very quickly in the first couple minutes, um, we're all human at the end of the day. We make judgments and we make judgments based on what we hear, what we see, um, and, and, and also how that is being presented to us. Mm. And so I think that um, a pitcher, a founder has to really practice. They have to get that message down concisely and precisely. And also they do have to have, I think the best pitch is this transfer of passion. They have to really show me why they are passionate about this business and therefore why should I be passionate about them as an entrepreneur? Because mm. I'm investing in them first and foremost. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget that, that when you're getting investment, I'm investing in you, not necessarily the idea or the business because that will evolve. Every good business does evolve and change and, and, and iterate. So I'm investing in you. And so mm. I want to know um, what you're passionate about, what you're good at. Um, and, and, and in answer to your question as to what I'm writing, first of all, I'm writing key points usually always as to what I'm hearing through the pitch, good or bad. Um, and also a lot of numbers, every number that comes out is really important to me. It, it, you know, what makes and breaks any business, no matter who you are and what you're selling is the financials at the end of the, mm. at the end of the day. Can you make money and and can you keep some of it to call this a business? And so um, I think that that's really important also and to understand that there there are different ways of doing math, but um, when it comes to a business, but um, that is really really important. So uh, so okay. So as I was saying, you know, you make a good point with with being uh, you know kind of clear and concise in in, in the pitch. But you, you kind of said something where you said, listen, a, a typical investor is, you know, they're really investing into the human being themselves so that you need to be able to transfer that energy into your pitch. So I often say, you know, a lot of companies and brands and people, they focus. I, I ask them one simple question. I always say, do you want to be seen or do you want to be hurt or, or do you want to be felt? And a lot of people say, well, what, what do you mean by that? And some people really focus on the metrics of, you know, vanity metrics and all of that. And they don't focus so much on what is the point here? How is this solving the, the question at hand? Uh, would you what, what would be kind of your opinion on that? I completely agree, because I think that, you know, just like in a pitch, you have to know who you are appealing to and who your audience is. And when they come in to the den, like I really want them to know which one of us or ones of us that they would like to invest in because we, you know, have some compatibility. They can also, um, you know, uh, benefit from what our experience is or what business we're in, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that you do have to know your audience and you do have to know their specialty, but also just like um, you're saying, you do, you do definitely not need to try to be everything to everyone that mm. you do have to either know that you can be seen you can be heard um there can be something unique uh but that's that's hard so sometimes pick one if you have a great story then you know what you need to be heard if it is a product that is a service that is really unique and innovative then it needs to be seen um more mm. than i need to hear from you so i think that you definitely have to know what you're selling um, and, and what the whole package is and what yes. will resonate with your audience, um, whether that be an investor or whether that be a customer. You have to know um, what what you need to touch and, and how you need to pique their interest. 
you know and and i and i love that you know it 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 really does make sense i like to say you know the saying of your i is not your why uh and i and what i mean by that is you know a lot of people tend to get in their own way and you've done such a great job over your career i mean like you said from 19 years old you know kind of coming down this path of entrepreneurship how have you managed to stay out of your own way and consistently you know figure out new things you know develop your own skill sets build teams and build one hell of a business you know and and you're very young you're very very young to do this so is this something that you feel was maybe an incubator in your home growing up with your parents where did this business bug just get injected in you and just set you on your path like how did you get there well that's a tough question it it's, is it is not something um like like you say that just happens it, it, there's definitely a path and a journey and it's something that is always evolving and it's a it's a journey that always has goals that are being set i'm a very big goal setter um personally and professionally um and and i think that yes a lot of it definitely comes um from my upbringing i had you know two immigrant parents that came to this country my dad came with five dollars and an engineering degree from india that was not recognized so essentially mm. started from scratch also mm. but mm. um really uh fought for what he wanted to be and do and and redid his education and married my mom on the other side of the pond my mom came when she was younger she came at nine years old my dad came at 21 mm. and and so you know that work ethic in in the home definitely was always there but always this idea of um being an entrepreneur even if you're in the big company my dad worked for the biggest oil company um for you know almost 20 years here in calgary but while he was there a lot of different things he was always doing and and you know whether it be writing books or whether it be like teaching or and and so i always felt um this push and this drive to be able to try new things uh to to be able to experience um new um, talents and skills and meet different people. And mm. so my parents were very, very um, open about that and very, let's go see the world. Let's go do things. Mm. Um, and and lots of them back then seemed really crazy. Like oh, we literally were the only Indian people in the nineties that were camping. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I mean, my, my dad did not know what the hell he was doing, but he thought it would be interesting. And we, we, we discovered it all together. And his family Family back in India used to be like, what? You're leaving your nice warm homes to go into. <laughs> hey everyone, I know you're enjoying this episode and thank you so much for tuning in. Listen, do you love hot wings and hot sauce as much as I do? You know, you have the standard kind of flavors and you know, all these assortments of hot sauces around the world, but there's some that are your favorite. Now here at the Reinhold Show podcast, our favorite without a doubt is Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Uh, Heartbeat Hot Sauce, if you don't know who they are, they're based in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and uh, they teamed up with Dustin Poirier from the UFC, who just won, uh, and they they put out some amazing product, and uh, the team over at Heartbeat, they're, 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 they're truly, truly impeccable, so... Uh, we're very proud to, to call them a, a partner of the show. And if you would like to try some amazing hot sauce, some flavors, and get your palate really moist and juicy and good, go to heartbeathotsauce.com and type in Team Holtz at checkout as a promo code for 20% off your purchase. And again, you will not be disappointed. We also want to let you know that 
in a better effort to connect with you guys even better via social media, you know, via the podcast apps or wherever you're consuming this, or if it's on YouTube, wherever that may be, we want to give you the option to text. So please text me at area code 587-875-0634. And that is me. So text me, say, hey, Ryan, how's it going? Love the show. You know, hey, could you bring on this person? Or just to say hi and how are you and how was your week and all of these different things. I think this would be absolutely incredible. Uh, And I would love if you could do that for me. Now, the last thing I want to say is, hey, book a free eight-minute brand jam. Whether you are a person or a business looking to increase your brand, increase your sales, increase your marketing, increase your digital footprint, book an eight-minute free brand jam session with me one-on-one. All the details will be in the show notes or just reach out. And last but not least, please, if you've not hit that five-star review, take a, 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 a take a screenshot of it, hit Hit the review, submit it, tag at Reinholds1 on, on all social uh, platforms so I can see it so I can repost it and give you a huge shout out. Again, curiosity should always be your mandate. Enjoy the rest of the show. And remember, Team Holtz loves you. Aware? <laughs> Did you <do> what? <laughs> and so I think that sense of adventure has always mm. been there with me also growing up um, mm. and, and succeeding and failing at the same time. And always mm. just being told um, by my parents to put your best foot forward. That's all you can do because not everything is in your control. And mm. I think that that really um, gives you a lot of courage growing up to try new things. Mm. Um, and and so um, I wasn't you know scared of starting a business at 19, um, knowing that I didn't have as much to risk as I would now. I, I just turned 40, so mm. you know um, with you know kids and you know, mm. a lot of more responsibilities, but. Um, yeah, I, I do think starting young was a big advantage. And then I think just like anything, I've taken a lot of opportunities that have come my way. I, as a person, say yes more than I say no. Mm. Um, and and I think that um, often I go in eyes wide open, but sometimes I go in completely blind. And that mm. is, is okay, too. Um, oh. Because because you don't know everything you're getting into. So I like calculated risk, but it, sometimes you just you just got to take that leap of faith. I love that. I love that. I want to circle back to your point of, you know, you're you're almost 40 years old. If you were to do what you kind of did at 19 at this stage of your life, you kind of said, whoa, whoa, you know, I wouldn't really do it that way because, you know, I got kids, I got family, all these different, you know, responsibilities that are no joke. And and you guys say that in Dragons then all the time, you know, when potential invest, you know, potential pitchers, they come in and they're looking for an investor. You know, an investor says, listen, I put up my home, you know, I remortgage all these things and everybody's face, you know, on on, on the den is kind of like, geez, you know, like, don't don't risk that. Like with the kids and right. family, like that's that's major, major things. But at the same token, it's like when you don't have any other options, you know, where do you go? So for you, if you were to do it now, how do you think what would change how you would kind of take your risk or or, or calculate your risk or, or where would your risk kind of factor be? Cause I love the fact that you said, Hey, listen, I, I'll try to do calculated risk, but there's some things I go with my gut and I go in blind and you're not guaranteed anything, but you know, obviously overall, you know, EBITDA speaking, right. You've done a great job. I mean, even if you had some losses, like if we're going to calculate everything that, the, I mean, you clearly, you clearly killed it. So uh, speak to, on that. Cause I think that's such a big point. 
Yeah, I think hindsight is 2020 always. If I was to go back, I probably um, would not go into some regions and I would go into some others faster. I also um, probably would assemble a team and hire executives quicker than I did because I Um, and and so I think that uh, I would definitely assemble a great team earlier than later, uh, and 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 learn from them and their expertise. There's some things um, it took me a while to be a little more self-aware that me and my brother were both good at, and and some big blind spots that were that were that were quite big that we did not that we didn't know that we had. And I think that um, that bringing others into your vision um, and into your organization earlier uh, can really give you also space to do a lot of that thinking as a startup uh, business rather mm. than just doing the the, re the repetitive tasks that you have to do, um, mm. which take up a lot of time and a lot of energy. I think mm. we all as entrepreneurs really um, don't give as much value as we should to how much energy it takes in order <laughs> to dot those I's and cross those T's and to do those repeti repetitive tasks. So then I would definitely say, okay, great. I'll do them for, and I'll put a set time on them. I would have and be mm. like, not years. I would have put months on them um, before I could figure out what works. Um, but then also, yeah, like I say, hire people that were smarter than me sooner rather than later um, and give us time to explore new products and new territories and new partnerships more um, from the top level rather than, like I say, just trying to sell a case of beer at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that is, is something also that I, a lot of entrepreneurs, um, like you say about risk, don't understand going into it how many sacrifices you will have to make. Mm. And my advice always is to, to startup entrepreneurs is listen, on a piece of paper, write what you are willing to give up for this business to make it successful. Mm. Because you will give up not only that, but a lot more. And mm. it's not time and money. You will, relationships will suffer. You're, you're like, there are a lot of things that you will sacrifice. And I think most people are very surprised of all of the things that successful entrepreneurs do sacrifice mm. and that they don't have everything. Sure. We can have toys and we can have money in the bank, but there are other things that we have sacrificed as time mm. goes on. Um, and, and it's nice to be able to do them consciously, but they're not, once again, always in your control, but mm. you do have to, at a, at a certain point, be willing to give it up in order, um, in order uh, to, to find your definition of success. So mm. for me, when I was 19, 20, 21, 20, you know, throughout my twenties, it was a social life. I did not, I didn't have all those experiences that my other fellow engineering students did or other people mm. in their twenties. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. I didn't have lots of friends. I didn't have time. <laughs> and so I think that, um, that in order to be successful young, in my case, I sacrificed other things. And I think mm. that, um, that not everybody sees that from the outside. So I think that that's important that you understand, um, that when you are starting a business that it's always takes more time and money than you expect. Mm. Triple the time and quadruple the money. I know, you know, and 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 what you said there, it's it's. Uh, sometimes when I talk to people, I I always like to try to transfer as much energy as possible, you know, and and I feel like even the, doing these remote style podcasts and interviews, you never can quite pick up on the hundred percent of the energy of the person. I feel like sometimes you got to be there in person 
and really feel the the body language. But it's interesting, you know, I I, I, I creeped, I did a digital deep dive your Instagram and all your social media, and of course I was on your podcast already, and I really got a good sense of of who you are. And I asked you the one question. I said, hey, you know, out of all this COVID and pandemic, what have you really learned about yourself? And you said, I learned that I don't like to be alone. <laughs> and you said, you know, from such an early age, your calendar was just always filled up, you know, like that every 60 minutes or every 30 minutes. And, you know, you just thought, man, I don't, you know, I, I, my, I'm used to going to the next meeting or family or business. Yeah. Um, what is that? What is that showcased for you, though, as a person? Like, how does that leave you? in your own world of Manjeet, excluding your kids, husband, you know, business partners, you know, crazy people, everything. Like, where does that leave you for a, a little bit of space just with yourself? Yeah, I think that it has definitely left a lot more time for reflection. Also, um, to to think about the bigger, you know, picture and, and also the bigger things that I want out of life. And what are those things? When I talk about I'm a big goal setter, they are usually concrete things, right? Mm. And the, the metrics to say whether I've reached them or not are very concrete also. Um, they're very quantitative, my goals always. And so this has kind of given me that time to have qualitative goals, to, be, to, to sit and think more than I ever have before. Mm. And I leaving that time without technology devices people um it gives you the 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 time to ruminate which we didn't necessarily have all mm. as society before mm. i know i definitely did it and so um i can say like can enjoy a meal and actually like wonder about like things and daydream and i never have really <laughs> done that before interesting <laughs> interesting and, and so, it's um it's yeah brought up a lot of interesting questions in my own mind and heart and i think i don't have the answers yet but i think just asking the questions to myself um have been really quite eye-opening um i'm doing i'm journaling now which i never did before i did it as a teenager um and then i stopped and i think i think there's just yeah a lot um a lot of different self-reflection happening. Um, and I think that happens also as you get older. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and so, yeah, um, I'm starting to say no more than yes now as I get older. Mm. And that is, that is new for me too. Mm. Do you feel like you've always been, do you feel, well, I mean, geez, you're an engineer. So, I mean, if I was going to be stereotypical, I'd always say, well, you know, Manjeet's very right side brained, you know, two plus two needs to equal four load bearing bridges, all these things, you know, and, and uh, engineers typically, I mean, they're very looked at, like, you know, when I talk to an engineer or I talk to, you know, <laughs> a, an artist, it's a completely different conversation, obviously, because, you know, their, their thought patterns are a little different. Would you say you're, you're a very creative person and a very analytical person or you're very much analytical? Very analytical. I would say I'm not a very creative person. I think mm. I have great people around me that bring me into those creative conversations. Mm. I'd say, uh, but I would say I am a very two plus two equals four um, mm. person. And uh, that is something that really hasn't changed much for me. Um, I was never an introvert. I was never that stereotypical engineer. Um, mm. and neither is my brother. We're both, and, and neither is my father, actually. Yeah. We're a family of engineers by education. Um, but it's one of those things that is, is um, I like to meet. I like, like I said, people. Mm. I like people. I like creating. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm creative. And I think mm. there is a very big difference between the two. Mm. Um 
And I, that's why I've always said that artists need a business person by their side too. And vice yes. versa, right? Yes. Because one doesn't go without the other. Yes. Um, and so, uh, I have been able to surround myself with some really great creative people. I could not tell you how to make a beer and, and, and I can tell you actually, but I couldn't make it. And you would <laughs> want me to make it because there is an art in creating that beautiful, you know, yeah. IPA beer. It is an art. Um, yes. and, and so I see it as a recipe, uh, that you, you know, <laughs> boil, then you put this much hops in it and you put this much. And so, um, and, and, and that's where, um, I think that there's that fine line of difference to know that I can explain to you in nth detail, the process of making beer, but I can't make it very different. Manjito, shame on you. East Indian background. My wife is middle Eastern. Okay. When, when people ask her, Hey, that was a really good dish. What's the recipe? Like she hates that question. Cause she's like, <laughs> listen, I put a little of this. I put a little of that. I mean, your mom, would you make oh, butter no. chicken or some of the, you know, traditional dishes? Come on. There's no recipe. It's like a little of this, throw a little of that. Stir it around, do and your thing. Like, like bonkers. Uh, that's crazy to me to hear because I'm like, holy, that's your whole culture. It's like little this, little that, you know, like, like, and it turns out good, right? It turns out good. Well, I but, love Indian food, but I do not cook it. I do not cook at all. I leave that to my husband <laughs> at home because he's a good cook. I will eat it, but I will definitely not cook it. <laughs> so, so what would be your, what would be your dish though that your, your go-to dish that you love? Like, do you have a comfort food that you are just like, oh my God, this thing is like, I could sit here and eat this like a pig today. You know, do you have a comfort food? No, you know, any, no. any vegetarian Indian food does the trick for me. Um, yeah. and, and you know, I, I am not a big foodie. I like mm. food, sure, but I'm not a big foodie. Also, I've always found I've been vegetarian since I was 15. Mm. And so I did find that it was really hard while I was younger, of course, because, you know, I used to live off of fries and other things because there weren't many options at fast food places or restaurants, um, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s. And mm. so um, and, and, and so I, I really I don't want to say stopped really liking food, but I would say <laughs> Um, there wasn't as many options. So Indian food was my go-to always. Yeah. And it still is because there's lots more options. There's lots of good tastes. Mm. And I know what I'm getting my into self into. It's simple. It's quick. Um, I, I would rather enjoy the cocktail before, during, and after. Or the beer before, during, <laughs> and after. <laughs> the, I, I told you we should have did it today. But we'll, we're, we're going we're gonna to meet in person. And we'll, we'll definitely have a drink or two. Um, definitely. I, and I love that. I, I'm, I'm so curious. You know, the 15-year-old Manjeet. Who is the 15-year-old Manjeet looking to for for wisdom, you know, I know you spoke to, about your parents, you know, being kind of the mentor and, you know, really looking up, but was there anybody like famous or like a Bollywood actress or actor or somebody that you're just like, oh my God, you know, when I grow up, I just, you know, maybe kind of going back into that dreamer stage, you know, I don't know if you, you know, 15 years old, like, is there anybody you kind of thought, wow, like if I could have that, I've asked other very successful people this question, I've had all kinds of answers. Like I had one guy tell me, he said, listen, Ryan, it was a combination of three people I loved. I love the the swag and the vernacular of X and I love the polishness of, you know, Y and I just love that freestyle, free spirited of of Z and I, and I took a little bit of everything and then I put Manjeet spin on it. Were you like that or you're just like no, I was very, you know, very to the point. 
No, I wasn't. And I think the why is because, you know what, back then there was no idea necessarily of what an entrepreneur was and looked like. I didn't mm. know what an mm. entrepreneur did. How did you start a company? How did you, like my dad, I said, work for the big old company. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, mm. My mom, my, both sides of my parents' families were not here. We were on our own. My dad's side in India and my mom's side on Vancouver Island. Um, so I wasn't surrounded by family. And my parents' friends, too, all from, you know, the engineering community, professional community, like very, um, very um, two plus two equals four. And so <laughs> I saw a lot of really hardworking, um, diligent individuals around me mm. um, that were in a career. And so mm. I never dreamt that I could be my own boss. I never dreamt that I could do five different things. Um, I, you know, the goal back then, as I was dictated by my mom was to be, uh, an engineer and get that corner office and work nine to five and have a good pension and a good healthcare plan. And, and that was kind of what the dream and the plan was, um, I think for, you know, a lot of people, not only definitely Indian people, but definitely new immigrants. Mm. Um, and I can see coming from my parents' perspective why that would be important because it was it would be a life and a career in this country for myself that could be predictable, that mm. that would give me kind of all those check marks and married and family and kids and like and mm. you know, own a house and have the mortgage and and mm. so that's really what I thought about for myself. Um, and everybody around me that I saw was that same way mm. until I entered university. Mm. Then this whole new world when I went to the UFC was was opened up in front of me, a whole um, new way of thinking and mm. a whole new idea of what I really could do and be um, all of a sudden. And that was that was um, definitely very eye opening, but also overwhelming to think mm. that really there is so many options and so many people I can go to, you know, they had some uh, people coming in for talks and I too would think, Oh, I wish I could interview or talk like them or dress like them. Mm. Or that, that, that usually, ah. unfortunately they were, you know, a lot more men than women. Um, yep. but, uh, that that uh, that self confidence I was really craving, mm. and I think that um, that is something that I worked on very um, diligently uh, for a very long time. And and how you get that is practice, practice, practice. Mm. You know, I I started to channel that inner champion uh, mm. in my twenties rather than that inner critic, and mm. I think that that really did help me a very. Uh, very profoundly mm. in in building a lot of more self confidence. Is there is there? It's interesting because you grew up in Calgary. Um, I grew up in in Edmonton and Mill Woods, and Mill Woods is so many East Indian people. So I mean, mm. I went to school. I have so many East Indian friends, and it's really interesting to see how they were when they're in like grade six, grade seven. <laughs> you know, you're just like oh, like coming from different country, all these different things. And I've looked at, and as you got to high school, it was like they would change, and then. Once you got to university, and it's funny because I was looking at your Instagram and you were, you were talking about a place that you get your eyebrows threaded. I'm very big on eyebrows, so I like to ask, like, <laughs> do you wax, do you thread, do you pluck? Like, which one is it? You know, and I'm very crazy about eyebrows. Right. And, 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 you know, I call, my, and my wife and I talk about this all the time because she's Middle Eastern and she's like, Ryan, like, I see pictures. Like, I had these big, 
bushy eyebrows, you know, <laughs> and and back then it was like, no, I got to make them, you know, skinny. And then she's like, I regretted that because, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward, people love the big bushy eyebrows, but no unibrow. Right. So for <laughs> you seeing that evolution of, you know, if we put up a slideshow of Manjeet going from 15 all the way to <laughs> all the way to now. Like that refinement that you got, right? But, you know, because I've talked to you already now once, you know, on your podcast, it gave me a very good kind of like how Manjeet is. And so I it, I found it interesting because you you have that refineness, but you're, you're pretty chill, like in a lot of ways, you know, you're pretty, pretty cool and just, you know, you kind of can go with the flow. So, you know, having that engineering and then owning a business I asked you the question of, well, are you creative? And you say, I'm not creative, but I'm like, how could you not not be creative for what you've done to date? Because everything you've built was on the premise of, well, how could we do that? How would that work? Okay, that is a beer. I need to know it's two plus two, but you figured out kind of that hybrid to be creative, but then still use that analytical part. That's tough. Agreed. I think uh, there is always a mix, um, but I think that how you view yourself sometimes is is different, um, mm. maybe than than others do, um, mm. and or what you feel as an individual, um, you're still building on and what you're still learning, uh, mm. and 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 where those talents and skills are maybe not where you want them to be yet, and something that you're working on. I truly am a believer in continuous learning and always trying to find new ways. I'm not only doing things, but new ways to learn new things. Mm. Um, mm. And I think that um, I know what I like and I don't like, and I'm trying to um, kind of adjust that because sometimes you can get too stubborn in your own ways. Of and course. so um, that is that is that creative side of things, always yeah. trying to look at things with a new perspective um, mm. or, it, it, or seeing what it could be or what could spark interest from, you know, colors to designs, to names, to styles of recipes. Um, and, and even in my investments, like what would somebody want in their life that they don't know they need um, mm. today? What could we sell them? And so I think, yeah, part of that creative is always selling. And that is that mix of, um, you know, um, creativity, but then also, you know, making sure that it, 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 the math works and you can you can make some money off of it. Of course, of course. Do you ever notice, though, that when you get pitched and people come in that and we're so focused on the end result, right? And it's kind of leads me down the path of, you know, great entrepreneurs understand themselves, you know, they understand a certain aspect of themselves at some point before their success comes. Because when you when you kind of deconstruct their their success path, A, it's not a, you know, obviously it's not an A to B. Sometimes it's right. jagged, it's crazy, it's all over the place. However, the one constant in that path was always them. And they kept mm-hmm. going. We talked about this prior and we said, well, how do we how do we ignite that kind of thought process or that kind of motivation or that kind of just space in the community for people of color and women and East Indian and and black and Asian and all these different ethnicities um, that are, you know, that we're in 2021 now, you know, and you posted uh, about crayons, Crayola, right? It's nice to see those colors, you know, and, you know, and, and you can color your kids in and. You know, even when my wife and I had kids, you know how crazy I was? I was like, I was I was like looking at the diaper boxes and I'm like, well, I mean, I got to see like I got I got to see my child. Like I got to see some like where, where's my, where's my little mix baby? Or like where's you know, and my wife's like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Oh hell yeah, I am." 
Because I'm like, yo, like I need to <laughs> just imagine you're standing in a grocery store having a debate with your husband. It's like your husband's like, yo, listen, we need <laughs> I need to see this diaper box. OK, because I'm not buying this. I'm not bringing right. this home. Right. And it sounds funny, but it's kind of not because you're like, well, you know, I want my kids to see themselves, you know, yeah. and see others around. And uh, I think it's really cool. So for you. My question to you is, is what you asked me is how do we ignite that in in our minority communities, people of color, women, all these things and and really give them, I guess, how do we meet them? How do we meet them in the middle? Meaning we know you're not there yet. Maybe you're even mm-hmm. at the beginning. But how can we how can we get you to keep going? Programs, funding, you know, incubators, all these different things. What what would be your answer for that? Yeah, well. You know, I, I totally agree that representation matters. And I think mm. that we didn't think about it when we were necessarily younger, but as adults, we all think, well, if I can't see my own child or somebody to like me on that box or in that chair, how can I ever dream or how can my kids ever dream to be that? Mm. And I think that um, that really hit me hard when I had my first daughter too, um, mm. 10 years ago, suddenly that, okay, well, what am I doing? I'm occupying this space. I've done well, you know, for myself and, uh, but then how do I pay that forward? How do I lift while I'm climbing? Mm. Right. Um, cause I'm always climbing. I'm still an mm. entrepreneur. I might be the 10th largest brewery, but there's nine spots to go. Ooh. And so, um, as far as I'm concerned, I think that, um, it is not only something that we all have to talk about, but that we have to realize that exists, that what are, um, the challenges and what are the hurdles that we have that are unique as people of color or as a woman mm. or as a young person or mm. like what are not only the inherent biases, but what are the unique challenges that they have that are stacked also mm. just on top of being an entrepreneur. Um, mm. And that comes with its own whole stack of challenges. Yes. Yes. And so I think that, um, you know, showing up is super important and knowing that you talk about your own journeys, but then also understanding that support comes in a lot of different ways. It comes as mentorship. It comes as sponsorship. I don't mm. see many people of color doing spons- that sponsorship. Mentorship is is coming along, I think, but that sponsorship piece is still missing. And then I really do believe in that um, in that financial piece. Listen, the world goes round with money, whether we will, uh, want to admit it or not. Course, and how course. do we do that? We invest in each other's ideas. We invest in each other's dreams. We, we, we show up and we bring partners to the table to not only um, to, to teach, I think financial literacy is so important mm. and, and why things happen and what, how they happen. How mm. do you get a million dollars, um, in order to fund your business? And then how do you continue to bring more? How do you sell? What is, I think there's just so many parts of, um, a business that are still in that gray area for people. And, and so I think it's important uh, to talk about it, to mm. kind of peel back the onion, to say, hey, this is how it happens. Mm. It, 
I, it took me a very long time. I don't have any investors. Me and my brother own our businesses 100%. We're a private business. But um, but it did take me a while to figure out how to be one on the flip side, how partnerships happen, um, you know, oh. contract law, how oh, like, yeah. so many new things. And, and, and you only learn by failing. And if we can, if I can help anybody by not having to make all the same mistakes that I did because I wasn't able um, to go to anybody, I felt in a lot of cases um, without some times paying them and and I did that very in a lot of cases I paid somebody to teach me that's how I learned accounting um and so and and so so I think that that we can we can do that um by actually talking about these things and saying that this is important nobody told me that financial literacy was important before Manjita, I feel like I have to ask him. I'm like, listen, where's the Punjabi club here? We need to get drinking here. I need some music in this. This is bars. This is a rap video now. This is becoming free. This is amazing. This is so many nuggets here. Keep going, though. Keep going. I'm getting excited. Uh, um, <laughs> well, well, thanks. And I think that it it, it really can be exciting because I do think um, there's just so many great entrepreneurs and founders mm. out there that are scared to take the first step for a variety of reasons. And they they need that push. Um, to keep going at some point though here's the thing though is that you mentioned something so important I, for me I don't even think it was the contracts it was it was the partnerships it was the the people there there was somebody that there was I can't for the life of me I cannot remember her name she's a she's a young uh, half black half white girl they did a big piece on her in entrepreneur magazine she started the conference called Afrotech I don't know if you heard that but it's like a incubator in the states and they did a big thing on how she bootstrapped her first $12 million. She said her first check that she got from an investor was 600000 She said it was the hardest money I ever got because she said for, for her, she felt that was the, like to get that first one was the hardest, right? And then she said, you know, I kind of got a little more confidence. But going back into what you're saying about the nurturing of the, the partnerships, how people have a hard time with with that part like how do you nurture somebody to get them to trust in you enough that they say hey you know what i might co-sign you and co-sign for me means you know even though you don't have investors and you and your brother own your company you know there might have been a couple key connections along the way where somebody said you know what manjeet ramvinder they're great they're awesome you might have got a co-sign you know what i mean and I think that that comes in a variety of ways. When mm. when I talk about partnership, it's not only about dollars and cents; it's even about selling. When I yes. when we and, and I think that a lot of people don't understand that you do have to keep going and you mm. do have to be very very persistent in order for us to get the contract to make um, Costco's beer around the world. That did not come overnight and in one <laughs> sale pitch. Okay, oh, no. that came. No. Many, many years of continuously going to them and iterating what we were presenting to them and how we were presenting to them and just not letting up, but then also improving ourselves every time we went back to the table to them. Um, and and then eventually we got that contract and it was huge for us, definitely, mm. um, as every contract is, whether it be Walmart or, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. Mm. But Costco really was, um, to make Kirkland beer was a big deal for us. Um, and it was a big deal for me to also understand what the give and take in that partnership is going to be, that mm. what... Um, once again, what sacrifices we are going to have to make in order to satisfy their needs and vice mm. versa. Um, because we were not Molson or, you know, um, some other massive company that could do every little thing that they asked for. And so we needed to compromise and develop mm. this partnership. Um, and I think that the same happens when 
you're looking for somebody to quote co-sign it as mm. you mentioned is mm. that you have to look what is the win-win situation what are mm. they going to get out of it what am i going to get out mm. of it what am i mm. what are my non-negotiables in mm. every in every negotiation i'm always always very conscious about what are the non-negotiables on both sides mm. Um, and you have to know that yourself um, because you don't want to walk away after signing on the dotted line and kick yourself that you did not, that you gave up <laughs> too much, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and that it's not actually going to help you. Um, and, and so I think that uh, you do have to be very aware of what your needs are um, and, and then bring people to the table that can complement that. Mm. That, that, no, that, that that's huge. So you're somebody who, you know, you, you told me about the Kentucky story where you, you said, hey, I, you know, I had to fly down to Kentucky. They, then I slipped in my snail mail, you know, all these things to, to get it done. You said, you know, Ryan, imagine a, an East Indian younger woman going down. You know, there's a lot of guys, kind of a dude game. It's a men's kind of thing down there and and really trying to do that. And you said, listen, I just refused to, t to get the no. Like I, I needed to get a yes on this and you got it done. How how do you how do you I guess respond to the no's? I mean, you, you you've clearly been rejected in your life and business and probably okay. some very large ways. Um, you know, how have you became a professional like brusher offer? You know, so to speak, because these th these are the kinds of questions I like to ask because these are the roadblocks that a lot of people give up. They say no, that's it, I'm done. That hurt my feelings. I'm I'm, I'm worthless. You know, and 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 this and this is how humans operate. And it's like, well, how do you not give up? And you said a, a major thing. You said, listen, you have to be persistent. But explain persistent and downright annoying and creepy because there's it's all in your approach, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> I would say that um, I've definitely gotten used to no's, but I don't take it personally. And you said something there, right? That I don't take it personally. I have... Uh, as it comes across, I have a very thick skin and it has been built over Ooh, time. Um, yes. And I think that you do have to be Teflon in some ways. You have to know when there's constructive criticism coming from someone or some place that can actually make you better or your product or your business better. But understand that, you know, that's one times out of 10. The rest, mm. there's, a, you know, a lot of other things at play that have nothing to do with you. Mm. And so I think to take rejection in any of its forms personally is the wrong thing to do. Mm. I think that it should make you um, not only want to keep going and work harder to prove them wrong, use that as your fire. It's yep. definitely been my drive. Yeah, mm. like you said, as a young Indian man, Indian woman in a very old, pale, male, and stale <laughs> business. Okay? Hey, that's pun intended. And ale. Man, you did that good. That was a good rhyme. I'm telling you, you're on, you're on a mission here. That was a good one. I like that. <laughs> And, and so I, I knew I was going to get a lot of rejection because I didn't look or sound or I wasn't one of them. And so I think that that really gave me the drive, but also mm. that along with it has continued uh, something that I'm, I'm very uh, particular about is the discipline. Is that mm. you do have to do a lot of those things. Being persistent is discipline in my mind. Mm. Is mm. you do have to get up and you do have to write those letters and write those emails and strategize and replan and repitch and pitch again and pitch again. Mm. Um, and not the same one, but you gotta you gotta you gotta do it a little bit differently in order every time to not only make yourself better, but to know what the other person needs and wants. And mm. then hopefully right time, right place. Um, 
um, as somebody also can see uh, what you have to offer that can benefit them also and their customers. Um, and so I think that um, that th the idea of persistent can be annoying completely. And that is okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with being annoying. Um, it just means that you're being noticed and that somebody has an opinion. Um, and listen, Ooh. it doesn't mean being persistent will lead to a yes, but uh, it will mean that they will notice you and they will then say no, hopefully on merit um, and that it actually is something that they don't want or, or need. Mm. Um, and that's okay then, you move on. But I think that, yeah, being annoying is not a bad thing, especially in a very loud world that we live in right now. Absolutely, yeah. Do you wanna be seen or do you wanna be felt? You know, sometimes I think the annoying and persistence, I mean, you're feeling something there, right? And you have to make a you have to make a case there. I, I really love that. So 2021 going through a pandemic, if you were uh, if you were wanting to do another business or something, what would you feel? Would there be a gap in the marketplace that right now that you say, hey, this could be something that's really, really interesting? Is there anything I know you have dragons that you're getting? A lot of those pitches coming in anyway. However, is there something on your radar where you say, hmm, this is really going to turn things up, you know, in terms of, you know, what does the market need? What, what's been the gap? Where, where did some problems arrive that rise that there maybe is a solution, but not the best solution for? Is there anything for you? Oh, if I wasn't making beer and spirits today, I think I would be in the clean tech space. I'd be making biofuels right now. I think that there's just so much amazing innovation and potential there. Mm. Um, but, you know, as far as when it comes to CPG products or when it comes to services, you know, there's just so much. It's really hard to predict, I think. Mm. Um, I have seen some things <laughs> that I wonder why, and then, you know, they blow up um, and vice versa. And so... I think to try to find um, a gap that exists in the marketplace is really tough, but mm. I do think um, that you have to solve a problem and that mm. is the most important thing. I think mm. too many people create a, a product um, because it's nice to have or um, that they've dreamt about it, therefore they think that they should. But if they're not solving a problem, uh, I can guarantee you will not be successful for a very long time to come. You might have a big one hit um, um, wonder, but it will not be, there will be no longevity. And I think that is important for me as an investor, but also as a business owner. And so I, I really just always, my first question is always, what problem are you solving? Um, mm. and, and I think that not enough people sometimes think about that. Mm. I love that. So I love I, that. I was if I was starting um, another business, like I said, I would have a lot of problems in the clean tech space um, to solve, and and that's somewhere I someplace that I would be. But um, I do think that lots of problems still to be solved, and if you can solve one of them, you've got a hit on your hands. I love that. So you're already on TV a lot. You you got the the CBC, the Dragons, then and all that good stuff. And then you said, hey, I, I want to go into some new media. I want to I want to start my own podcast. <laughs> What was the whole premise? What was the whole motivation behind that? Because not every not every dragon has their own podcast. You know, if I go to Shark Tank, you know, a lot of them they got their own they got their own shows and stuff like that. But for you, what was what was the whole goal of starting your own podcast? Yeah, well, I had actually um, talked about it um, privately for a while, but I never had the time like so many mm. other people. <laughs> I, just, I just between traveling constantly and and there's just no time. And in order to do something. 
I always am one that wants to do it well. And that takes mm. time. And mm. I'm always aware of the fact that uh, I've never bought into the myth that in order to succeed, you have to burn out. So mm. I always um, put things on the back shelf for when the time is right. And mm. the pandemic hit. And then <laughs> I was not traveling anymore. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I discovered, um, very shockingly, actually, how much time I was spending traveling. Um, and, and, and I think before, because you kind of are on that hamster wheel and you're doing it and you don't really realize how much time that takes to fly somewhere and to take a car and check it in a hotel, mm. like to do all those things you kind of do mindlessly. Um, mm -hmm. it, all of a sudden when March, you know, 12th hit, I thought, oh my goodness. Okay. Um, I have all this, I have time now that I got back from not traveling and mm. I started talking to some friends just like this. Um, and mm. just casually. And I thought, wow, these are some really great, interesting conversations where I am actually learning a lot more about you um, yes. as a friend or as a colleague um, than I ever knew. And many of these people I've known for a very long time um, because they were sometimes uh, pointed, but often we just didn't have a lot of the chaos happening around us. Yeah. And so then, then I thought, you know what, let's record these and let's put them out to the world to be uh, listening in on some conversations and hopefully they can get into the mind of a CEO or a leader um, as to as to what their journey has been and and where they're at now. And I love it. I listened to the one that you did with uh, WestJet, the, the 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 gentleman with from Ed WestJet. Tim. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, phenomenal story. That's a it's a phenomenal entrepreneurial story. And and you know, airliners. I mean, those are <laughs> he's dealing with big business. You know, and he you know he I think you'd asked him a question too, which was very very heartfelt because I don't think I've ever thought about it from the perspective, but. He said, you know, in this business, you can get a call and say, hey, like an airplane disappeared or an airplane right. went down, you know, and that represents, you know, a couple hundred lives. And I, I think I listened to the part where he said he was uh, driving or something and he got a call or, and said, you know, this is this is what happened. And I I think for me, I was listening. And I'm like, holy moly, like, whoa, like it's one thing like your business is going sideways, but it's another just right. hearing that kind of thing. Right. Um it's interesting. I'm a little suspect of your answer, though, Manji. Here's why. I think you started a podcast maybe because you wanted to fill in that alone, alone time where you're like, listen, I don't want to be alone. I, I'm, this is not it's not easy. So I need to start I need to start booking Zoom calls. I need to start getting my 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 FaceTime audio digitally, whatever you need to do. Right. You're very you're a very resourceful person. Right. Do you feel for you? Because here's what's so cool about your position. Have you ever thought of this? You got, you could open up, you know, Minhas Media and literally have a YouTube channel. And basically, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the YouTube shows where they do, there's a show called Hot Ones where they set up a whole bunch of celebrities with hot wings and they start eating the wings. It, it's, it's a hit. You could do it with beer, no problem. But you, you could create your own media empire that would serve your, your company so well. Have you ever thought of that? Or is that, you know, am I speaking some some truth over your life right now? Uh, yeah, we actually own a TV and film production company called Spotlight Productions. Um, and yeah. it, does, um, it does a lot of things, not only for our own companies, produces our own commercials and um, a lot of um, definitely all that pitch stuff that we have to do. We have designers, um, yeah. and dozens of them on board, all, uh, 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 
on you know payroll also to, in order to um, help. Yes, like you say, make it go around and um, help each other out, um, and also does for others also. And so yeah, you know, a long time ago, um, next you might say, oh well, you should get into trucking or you should do you know. <laughs> no. And you know what? So funny enough that once. Um, we started to see some success. I definitely started to see where our expenses were, where our major expenses were. Mm. And um, more than a couple of my mentors um, that you know run big organizations um, had started to say, well, you should look at being vertically integrated. And I had heard the term many, many times, but didn't completely know what it meant. Mm. And I uh, started looking into those big line items and discovered, yeah, I could definitely um, have more control over end-to-end processes, also start mm. offshoot businesses. Um, mm. And we started to do that. Uh, we started to create all our own designs. It was much quicker. I could get in front mm. of my competition um, as to, you know, um, going from concept to um, final product on paper even. Um, and so uh, we started, yeah, a trucking company. We started blowing our own glass. We started decorating our own glass. Um, we started, you know, doing everything except farming. Yes. Um, we let the farmers <laughs> grow, grow the hops and the wheat. Um, yep. But we, we definitely discovered that um, that there was a lot of other ways to feed our, our business, um, which was the main business always is the beer and spirits business. Um, but it has been fun along the way to discover new parts um, uh, of what has made the mothership successful. And I think that um, it's important always for, for entrepreneurs to understand that what goes into making their product, mm. what goes in, into making their business uh, profitable or not, and, mm. and how do you change those line items um, in order to have more control, but also to make a better product, mm. to understand. A lot of learnings came also on our side as to, to understand all of those pieces that made that puzzle work to get that can of beer, um, you know, from yeah. factory to your to your home. And so, um, like I say, uh, it's been an incredible journey the last 21 years, but there, there have been a lot of learnings and a lot of help um, from others along the way to say, hey, look this way, look that way, kind of, mm. uh, and, and, and in the end, go along with our gut. I'm a big believer in listening to your gut to say, is that Cute. right for you? And yes. is it right for you now? Mm. Um, I have a very big book of things that I think are right, but just not the timing right yes. is right for you. Um, and so I think that, that that's good in order to always um, be looking forward um, and knowing what could be next. I think I think with media what and what I found when I you know when I had my podcast is it gave me such a I felt like it extended my arm quite a bit to be honest with you you know you 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 can really approach certain people with a really good legitimate reason that you want to talk to them um you know it's never bad to wake up to an email that says hi Manjeet I love your work I would love to have you on my show I'd love to talk about your ego-based success all these great things you know what do you think you know and then you're like well I'm not upset at all. I'm going to, you know, I, I was nice to hear. And then you're like, well, I got to fact check that. I got to, you know, is this worth my time? Who's this person? All these things. And, but you know, it's, it does, it gives you kind of access to some levels that you might not have access to, you know, and I, for that, I like it. But the one thing I've always been fascinating about the media industry is that to me, if you own the media industry, you, you own, you own market share, you own market. Um, what would be a great word for it? You, you can really, really, 
impact where the market goes based on the messaging in which you're putting out. And I feel like the media, because the consumer has changed their appetite for how they're consuming the media, phones, YouTube, social media, all these different things, because we talked about how social media is the sieve to your funnel, not the funnel itself, right? Mm -hmm. So Facebook could shut you down, you know, Instagram could shut you down, they own the algorithms. But you own your podcast, you own your show, yeah. you you know, you own all that. You, you can say, hey, I can. And you're in a great position because you know so many different people. So you're like, hey, you know, these are my friends. I'm just going to have them on and talk to them. And I feel like when we go back to the like one of the questions earlier on in the conversation about how do we get to people who are, you know, Indian and female and black and minorities and people of color. Well, first of all, how many East Indian hosted podcasts are there in Canada? And how many black hosted podcasts are there in Canada, right? Like if we just ask that question. So when I know that, you know, what are we looking at statistically? I think it's like at least 60, 60, over 60% of Canadians have at least listened to a podcast. Well, we know that there's a lot of ethnicities mixed up into that. So have you thought about it that way at all? Like even I'm going through, I was going through the charts and seeing where you place. And I'm like. Well, there's Manjeet. (laughs) There's Manjeet. Like, I don't even, I didn't see any other East Indian woman on there in your category. And and I think that, you know, definitely played into a lot of the things that I do, the decisions, uh, why I say yes a lot of times into the public-facing things that I do, whether it be mm. Dragon's Den, um, whether it be a lot of the other things that I do, um, including the podcast, because mm. I truly do believe that, um, that there is not enough of us. And by us, I mean... You know, um, people of color, young, mm. old, people with different mm. backgrounds and experiences and opinions. Mm. Um, and it, it it surprised me, both good and bad, that when my podcast launched um, last year, late last year, that it debuted and continued to be in the top 10 podcasts. And I mm. thought to myself, okay, listen, that's ego stroking for sure. <laughs> then after... Yeah. After I came down from cloud nine, I thought to myself, okay, that also tells me that there is a huge gap that people want to hear a different perspective. Mm. They want to hear stories um, from people that they haven't heard from before. Mm. And I was very consciously trying to find um, people that I know and some people that I didn't know to bring them on to talk about that. Mm. Right. And I think that um, that is something that that really screamed to me that there is this massive gap um, missing in the podcast world. Well, let me ask you this question, though, Manjeet, on your podcast, have you had any other black guests on other than myself like that because you've interviewed them so you would kind of remember i would assume well we're just starting our second season and so you are first of my second season so yes we will we do have more coming no, 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 no. I, i'm not but, this is not a this is not a bait no, question no. i'm just asking honestly from a good place no. you know just as a matter of fact and 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 <laughs> we were very conscious about the exactly what you're saying, right? Uh, uh, because as yeah. you actually look through, even I started thinking all the people that I know, uh, thinking, well, okay, great, but they all kind of fit in one particular box. <laughs> yeah, it's so guess true. Guess what that is? It's so, so true. Thought, okay, we need more people of color. We yeah. need more women. We yes. need more. 
And so, yeah, you know, um, there are, and they're out there. There's so many out there. You just have to tap on their shoulder and say, Hey, I want to listen to your story. And mm. also I don't want to ask you the same things. Like, you know, I interviewed Lisa listen, that is the president of FedEx and she has an amazing personal story that, you know, so many people didn't know, but once they do know that they also can, can talk about, uh, and resonate with, you know, she's mm. lost her husband very young, had, mm. you know, four young kids while was still, mm. you know, climbing in her career and, and, and had to deal with a lot of tra personal tragedy and mm. loss also. Mm. And how you balance that not only as a woman, but then also somebody who is, has so much drive also, um, at the same time was really interesting to hear from her perspective, but mostly mm. people, when they talk to her, want to talk about FedEx. And this yeah. and being being at the helm of for ten years and how um, that is incredible in itself. But I think that having a different uh, perspective mm. and angle um, is really important. And who you ch we choose to talk to as podcast hosts is just as important. And um, and and that is something that I think that we should all do consciously to understand, like you say in the media, mm. that we have a platform and a voice, and we need to use it um, in a positive angle. Well, it's interesting because there's and, and this is such a good, good segue, because when I talk about podcasting or interviewing, you know, our show is known for two things. One is, you know, we create safe spaces for very unsafe conversation, because mm -hmm. when you start going into those little nitty gritties of somebody, this is when you start finding the magic. And the second aspect, is I always say, is I don't want somebody to come on my podcast or listen to some a guest that I've had on and say, oh, my God, I could have found all that information out on Google, because to me, I feel like I'm wasting my guest time. And it's just an unproductive use. That's why for you, and you've noticed probably on the last show too, is that, well, you got Dragon's Den and the brewery and all that. I haven't asked you a lot about those two topics because no. I'm more, I, well, I'm more fascinated. I know people listening to this right now, they're more fascinated to be like, so does Manjeet, you know, does she pluck? Does she thread? Does she wax her eyebrows? <laughs> like, 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 you know, what does she like to eat for food? These, these are, these are things that people they want to connect to because they're like, listen, she's still a human being. Right. And, and I like to have that human to human interaction. And, you know, that's why when I asked you the question, I said, you know, what's the one thing that you really found out about yourself, you know, having some extra time where you're not traveling, you know, with, with the pandemic and stuff. And he said, you know, I, I, I have a hard time being alone. And I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of crazy, but exciting at the same time because that and must I would have say, opened. Ryan, nobody has asked me that in the last year, so you were definitely <laughs> the first. Yeah, but but don't you like it though? Like, I mean, I I just feel like you would because I see your reaction. It's like, I mean, I, and maybe this is a question for you because this is a this would be a great nugget for for people listening. Is that when you do get asked questions or you do get interviewed? Do you just want to talk about Dragon's Den and Minhas Breweries? Or is it nice to talk about Manjeet as a human aside from that a little bit? Like you kind of referred to the FedEx lady. Like you actually told me, you actually told me everything about her that stood out to you without you really realizing. You said, listen, she lost her husband, young kids. Like you, you told me what kind of resonated for you even, right? Yeah. So, you know, I always been an open book and I... <laughs> You're awesome. The only thing I don't talk about is politics, and there's oh, a lot yeah, of reasons yeah. why I don't talk yeah. about that. I stay away from um, that too. But the only—that's the only thing. And uh, but I do, um, I do also value my own privacy, being a public person, and of my not okay. I take the I, I backtrack a little bit. Not my <laughs> personal privacy, but my family's. Oh um, yes. Okay, so you will, you know, I won't say ever, but. 
because in this day and age, it's really hard to keep everything completely a lid on it. <laughs> I don't ever talk about um, specifically my kids, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my girls, I don't show, even on Dragon's Den, I don't ever show their faces. We don't talk about their names. We don't, you know, I talk yeah. about them in more generics. And and I think that, uh, that was done very consciously from day one. Um, mm. And that was written into their contract and everybody else's also because yeah. I was very aware of their security aware that they were very young they were one in three when i started mm. on the show um mm. that they and everybody else's children were adults and mm. i didn't want to um mm. also shed light on um them for the wrong reasons also i'm very yeah. conscious about knowing that they are not um a part of this they haven't chosen to be a part of my public life yet because mm. um that is a choice i don't think that you know mm. um that they should be brought into that without knowing that it has long-term pros and cons um and and also as two young girls i i wonder and i worry as a parent about um how that sets them up later um yes. Their mom being in the spotlight and and what that is like and and mm. and so i think that um, I sure I like to talk about everything um, about my opinions about um, the reasons why I do things and I don't and the mistakes that I've made. Uh, but yeah, as a human, definitely, I think we all like to be asked or um, about different things. I think that yes, just as anybody who's interviewed many times, you are asked often the same 10 questions. Oh, and yeah. You yourself, then start answering differently, because you have to keep it interesting. And I think that <laughs> You know, I would stop doing interviews or talks or, you know, speeches if it the moment it got boring to me. And I, I understand I'm in a privileged position to be able to do that. Um, but I do think that there always has to be something that you get out of it yourself. And that's why the conversations like this are great, too, because I'm hearing your perspective at the same time. And mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. thinking... Uh, and that's why I love doing the podcast is because I'm not being asked, asked the question uh, of myself. <laughs> I'm asking the questions and the things that I'm curious about also. Mm. And and so uh, that has been also really interesting for me um, in order to not just show up, but to do all that research and to do those deep dives that I've never um, done before. To be on the other side of the mic figuratively has been pretty fantastic for me too uh, yeah. in my learning. And I think that it is something that conversations that not only are natural, but that people wonder about sitting on their sofa um, mm. are really fantastic because um, you don't always get that. You can Google my shoe size, but really, what does that matter? Mm, no, <laughs> um, it's, and it, it's, it's, it's so true because, you know, a lot of TV is sound bites, you know, there's, there's, you know, marketing is a lot of promo. So let's get it done. And, you know, you yes. can shoot for 10 hours and you're only going to see 30 seconds and it could be something that's what happens. Yeah. You, you don't even have context on. So you might look just, Hey, you know, this is my opinion. It's like, well, you didn't actually hear the, you know, previous 66 minutes of it, but that's where the podcasting and the long format is so beautiful because you really do get a lot of texture on the person. And yeah. you're like, Whoa, like I, I would have never thought this person was like that or, or, and to me, I think it's a, a huge brand builder, but I asked you about your podcast and kind of, you know, the humanity aspect too, because it's like, I'm sorry. Like every time I step on the mic and I talk to somebody, I don't necessarily always know what my goal is per se, mm -hmm. but I know that I am on a journey because I can tell you that from episode one until now, the conversations I've had with people such as yourself 
have have really changed my way of thinking mm -hmm. and uh, allowed me to look at things with such a different light. So when people say, hey, Ryan, like, give me your top reason for podcasting. Like, if there's anything, it's like, oh, my God, like I get to talk to some of the most brightest and beautiful minds in the world. Mm -hmm. And you know, how do you do that? Like, I feel like I'm every time I like me and you, I feel like I'm going to university again. I'm getting a, you know, a four year degree in, in a 60 minute conversation. And and I'm getting it from uh, the perspective of that, you know, because everybody's went to university and they take a course. and like, why was I learning about Shakespeare? Like, why? why I don't really care about Shakespeare. Like, I want to make money or I, or I want to be a neurosurgeon. Like, why am I learning about Shakespeare? Like, I can't pitch somebody say thou shalt not get Manjeet. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I never got mm -hmm. it. Um but you're getting the unfiltered side of it. And I think that that's really cool. So for you, when you step into your mic and you're talking to people, what is your goal? Yeah, my goal is always to show a different side of them um, than you hear in the headlines or that you see on the company website. Um, mm. To know that there is a person behind there that is that leader that has had those successes, that it has those failures. And just like the person listening um, has has had those challenges and that is just is a human. And I think because mm. so many times that we when we think of successful people, whether they be CEOs or, you know, leaders or entrepreneurs, we think that they're superhuman, that they yeah, have something yeah, yeah. That we don't have. Yeah. And I always am just trying to say, hey, listen, if they wake up just like you, they have worries just like you, mm. they have challenges just like you, they have, uh, you know, they go to the washroom just like you, like they are the same in so many different ways. And so if they can be successful, you can too. And here are some nuggets. Here are some ways that they have navigated some, some skills that they have learned along mm. the way. And I think that you will, you will discover that so many people have the same. I find myself nodding a lot when I ask people questions um, about why and how they do things. Like you talked mm. about Ed Sims, uh, for example, and I'm going to Ed since he came to Calgary um, actually, and, 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 and has been the CEO of WestJet. And, uh, we both actually, when he was talking about how many decisions he doesn't like to make, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. eat the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, dinner might be tad bit different, but breakfast and lunch every day, so I never have to really think about it. One less decision to make in the day. Decision fatigue. Um, decision fatigue. And so wow. there's 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 so many different things wow. that I do the same every day, wow. so I can make those bigger decisions. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, and, and I do those also when I'm fresh in the morning and I like quiet time, um, to, to ruminate. Um, I've always liked half an hour, but 30 minutes usually was my, before the chaos of a house starts. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Hours like it has been now during the pandemic, but 30 yeah, minutes yeah. by then I, you know, beforehand I'd always get up before and I found, wow, so many other people do that too. And, and so, um, I think that it really for myself even has been um this this eye opening that we are more similar than we are different oh, as humans I, wow isn't you know it's it's so amazing cuz i i've always been an early riser cuz i feel like if you win your morning you do win your day and if you win your day you win your life cuz it's kind of like robin sharma says you know you, your life is days in miniature so f when is your your most crucial time of day for me i always felt like it's mornings but I like the quiet time. Then I, I'm always an early riser. And then I had kids. And then I'm like, oh, they're they're early risers too. <laughs> and still to this day, my you know, my daughter's 23 months. She's 
you know, I, I mean, I, I, I keep pushing it back. So it's like if she gets up like 15 minutes earlier or half an hour, then I'll get up like another half an hour earlier. Because I'm like my wife and I just like to sit and have like our coffee. Like it's just our thing in the morning. We like to do a workout. Um, and we, we try to get up early, but some days like you're not going to wake up at 2 a.m. Because you're just like, look, I'm tired. Right. Um, <laughs> but that's the joys of having children. But, you know, as soon as we hear like mom, dad, we're kind of like, is that us? <laughs> is that wait? So you're looking around. You're like, is that us? <laughs> We've actually done that, too. We're like, come on. Okay, okay, we got to be responsible here. Um, but it's you know, that's the joys of parenting. So for you, it, I love the fact that you're bringing up decision fatigue. You eat the same thing. I seen your little post about because I know you're working with RW and Cole and doing some stuff there, but they had asked you the question about, um, you know, basically like what is your style tips? What you know, how do you look good and presentable in kind of the least amount of time? And you you basically said you know get your bases right and then accessorize it. So for you, your style, like how does that work for you? Is there, you know, Kevin O'Leary had I really love what he said. He said Ryan, when you're doing this TV stuff, he's like I wear the same suit all the time because you'd have to do these retakes or outtakes. And he's like, I could go early where everybody else would have to stay back because they were wearing different outfits or something like that is what he was saying. For you, do you have you thought and kind of have, do you have that system down for yourself? No, that is actually one place that I like making decisions. And I guess that there is some ah, creativity involved. I there like you go. together um, outfits based on how I feel that day, based mm. on where I am and what and I truly, truly believe um, that um, the uh, it's a confidence builder, that how you look mm. is how you feel. And I've mm. always, always thought that. You know, when I was 17, never mind 19, I was wearing, you know, the three B suits. And I was, because I really felt that, listen, if, if I respect myself, and that to me means personal hygiene and looking mm. and feeling good, and sure that takes time and energy, but I'm investing in myself. Mm. And I'm investing in, listen, I respect myself, so you better do the same. And I think that, that we do judge a book by its cover. And I mm. think we do that more for women, whether we want to admit it or not. And how we um, show up um, literally uh, matters. And I think that it is it is something that, um, yeah, I definitely believe in basics, um, but I definitely believe in piling on and I love color. I mm. love, uh, listen, I don't love blending in. And I think that that comes through my through my fashion choices. Um, and I think that this you're it's important not to blend in because we all are different and we all bring something different to the table, um, the virtual table or the actual table. And so it is something that you also get uncomfortable with. Often, I have people around me that are giving me neon colored things, and it's not something I would normally do. But hey, mm. it's okay. You take a risk, and I think that a lot of that parlays into. Um, you know, uh, business, my, the business side of how I think. And, and so I personally definitely like taking the time to get an outfit together <laughs> the fashion side of things. <laughs> I'm just thinking about your comment because, and I'm going to say this to you, cause I know you can take, cause you're under 45 and you're culturally in the know is that <laughs> you, you brought up the whole crown Royal thing. You said, man, you know, all these, all these, all these Brown dudes, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting there drinking, you know, crown Royal. And I got my, put you, I'm trying to get them over that. But it, it's so funny. Cause when I look at your style, when I went to school and I all, even to this day, you know, East Indian friends, I'm like, okay guys, let's talk about your color palette. They're like, listen, I have gray. I have dark gray. I have black. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, okay, where's the color? Like rainbows. Well, well I have the gray. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I have the gray? They're like, well, no, the gray is the brighter part. 
right? And so when I grew up, it would be hilarious where you'd see all like brown girls, brown guys, and it would be like just this solid black, gray, and kind of thing. But for you, I'm using the word extra for you because you're like pow colors and different patterns sometimes and and different things. And I'm like, no, no, like you you do kind of you do kind of walk to your own beat, and I really love that. Yeah, I'm not definitely one. You know something is wrong if I'm wearing head to toe black. It is <laughs> something is wrong. Um, and 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 that's really how I've always been. It's funny that you say that because I truly do believe that it does bring a lot of a person's personality also out um, mm. through their wardrobe choices and mm. or how they accessorize, um, whether they think about it or know it or not. For example, mm. my first season of Dragon's Den, contract, everything is signed. Okay. And wardrobe selection, it's a big deal because we it, often, we wear the same thing because for continuity. Um, in media, you understand for continuity of the show. We film it over a month, um, you know, 10 hours a day, very long days. Um, less than half of the, the pitches that we film actually make it to air. And out of that yeah. um, 45 to 60 minutes, you get six minutes um, yes. edited down. And then they pick pitches and make episodes out of it. So it could be from day one, day 15, day 30 kind of thing. Mm. And so what we wear is very important because we got to look the same from head to toe every single day. Yes. And so when I got on um, before me, there were two women. There was Arlene for a yeah. while and then there was another one before her named Jennifer. And so producers and everybody else involved was like, okay, looking for kind of black and white and gray, like same kind of thing. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we are not doing this. But also, we are not doing pants. They brought a bunch of pants with their stylist. Oh. I'm like, no, no, I don't. I, I am very feminine through and through. We are doing a dress. And they were like, oh, no, we're not doing it. Oh, the camera guys will say, oh, no, it's hard to get angles and editing. And how will you sit and how will you get up? And how will you walk down the stairs? I'm like, I'll be oh. fine, trust me um and and so oh my goodness it was it was it was actually quite a big um heated debate um yes. over me to wear a dress and then on top of that to wear a red dress Ooh, and yes. then to wear a like a big designer dress like it was a victoria beckham and it was yeah. it was a big <laughs> deal and then i wanted to wear gold shoes with it i brought my own stylist in and and i and they were for not nobody was on board um but i <laughs> dug my literal heroes in the ground and said, no, this is me. You asked me to be on the show to be me. Mm. Being me is not dressed in a black suit sitting up mm. there. That is not me. And I am sitting mm. here because representation matters. And I am me with my opinions, with my young family, with the way mm. I look. Um, and that is who I'm bringing to the seat. And mm. so um, they they then came around um, and said, okay, fine. You wear what you are comfortable with and what represents you. Mm. And I would say uh, the first year in every interview that I did, which were a lot, everybody wanted to talk about the red dress. And I yes. thought, okay. <laughs> like that, and, and so it does matter. And I think that matter. for anybody who... Um, who pretends it doesn't is fooling themselves. It's so true, though. You know, be you. Like, I just feel like the worst thing you can do in your life is not be memorable. I, 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 I do. I, I feel like if you go give a talk, you know, like, you know, when you, you meet a lot of people and they sit on the fence, like, I, I never could jive with fence sitters because I'm like, 
Well, here's the debate, uh, you know, and I'm somebody that can actually have a debate and I don't take things personal. I think a good conversation should have debate. I, I've always been that yeah. way. I don't need I don't need to agree with you and you don't need to agree with me. But, you know, I, you know, we kind of are in this cancel culture now where it's like, you you know, people are very, you know, they got to watch what they say and, you know, they're taking, you know, off kilter and stuff. Even when I'm doing these podcasts, you know, you can see especially people who do a lot of interviews like yourself or they're media trained. If I say something <laughs> like I can see the look on their face, I'm like, listen, I'm not ch- I'm not trying to take you down a bad path here. Right, I'm just right. I'm just asking the question. And they're so smart about it, though, you know, and I'm like, OK, you know, like no problem, you know, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll fire up another question or kind of, you know, move, move, move along it nice, nicely. I know I only have you for so much time before Easter today, so I'm getting to the end here. Uh, one of my uh, last questions to you, and I, I like to ask this question is uh, is what can I do for you, Manjeet? Oh, good question. I always ask this question and it's the answers are very interesting. The answers are very interesting because I feel like people think and I like to make it clear and I'll make it clear to you. Like when I ask the question, I actually mean it. So I'm like, hey, you know, you give me your time. I like to give value back. What can I do for you? You know, that is a really interesting question because not many people ask that. Most people are more absorbed in what that is happening for them. Um, But I think that you do it very well, that you can just be you. Uh, Mm. I truly believe that you will never be able to influence the world by being like it. And you Mm. do a very good job, Ryan, of being you and, Mm. and bringing your experiences, backgrounds, opinions, um, different ways of thinking uh, to not only your listeners, but to the world and Mm. understanding that not everybody has to fit into a box and you're brave enough to be able to not do that. And I think that, like you say, with cancel culture, it is harder um, Mm. because everybody is, is, is conscious of the Mm. fact that they might say something to offend um, Mm. someone and that we're all not perfect. You know, we've all done the bias training and we all know we have biases and, you know, we can work on them. um, And I think that's important, Uh, but it is, it is something um, that we, we still have to not whitewash, right. In that, um, and that we have to be us still at the end of the day and give, that that truth to power and i think that you Mm. are definitely doing that and i appreciate that because i don't think that there is um enough people out there that are doing that um that are having it's it's lonely manjeet it's lonely you're right you know and i'm i'm and, and, and not to interject but it's like i the my moral compass is so dialed in i live in this middle place in my brain that i don't go too much to praise and I don't go too much to like, Oh my God, that didn't happen. You know, rejection. But I think I always ask myself, say Ryan, whatever you're putting out there, however you're interacting with people in my home, it starts in my home. There's respect, love, incubation of creativity. And I always say, you know, I'm fully confident going out and doing what I got to do and being me. Cause I know when I leave, I'm, I'm, my intentions are so good. I love people. I like I, I, I value people. I value different perspectives. I, if you're somebody that has an inch of hate in you about something and I ooh, I just I'll pick up that energy. I'm out. You know, I, I operate on a very high frequency. And I like to say you cannot get an FM dial on an AM reception. You know what I mean? Like you have to make sure that you're dialed into what you're doing. Right. But it, it's very lonely, you know, and I'm playing the game of, yeah, you're, you're kind of paving, you know, everything I've gotten, you know, this too, for, from yourself is that, you know, nothing's handed to you. You know, I'm axing my way through, 
you know, I'm laying down the concrete trying to build that road, you know, and it's it's a it's a tough road, but it's a road that needs to be that needs to be paved. You know, it's just me. You know, I feel like when I was born, it was like you were born to do something really, really special. Right. And that's what I'm trying to stay true to on that. So I appreciate your words on that. I do. But you never really asked. You never really answered what I can do. You're really good at those soft skills that people actually don't value very much. Having Mm. empathy, having some emotional intelligence, being mindful, uh, having integrity. Like those are not things that are (laughs) really valued in the business world. And, and, um, And I think that that is not right. And I think that it is something that you definitely possess that comes through. And I and I do admire that. Well, look at you, though, because you have to toss that ball back to you. This is why the business community at large in general, globally, you know, we're having the conversation of who's at the table of decision makers, who has a say, what do they look like? What's their gender? What's their background? Because, you know, for a lot of time, I think everybody was just bulldozing past, you know, let's get this done. Let's do that. This needs to be this way. And, you know, then you kind of COVID, like I said in this, your podcast, I said, listen, the silver lining on this, it wasn't all bad. It was no. a sl- it was a timeout for the world. Meaning mm-hmm. the higher power said, listen, you, everybody needs to stop. Look yeah. around, look back, look side, take an inventory, take an audit on yourself and what you're doing. And I've seen, like, I've had some phenomenal conversations with people that I probably wouldn't have had great conversations with prior to this. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like their mind is almost like more in it. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? You're right. We're very much more aware of the things going on around us uh, because I think we're off that hamster wheel. We're not just, you know, going and doing things because everybody else around us is and or we feel (laughs) heads. Let's face it. I feel like, why did I have them in so many activities? Did they really need to know how to play badminton competitively? And did they really know, like, did they really need to do all of these things? And I think um, that that being bored and just playing and just being um, was was kind of lost um, um, for them because of my helicopter parenting skills. Um, but I think- <laughs> <laughs> At least you admit it, man. I give the, I give you props for that. I give you your props for that. <laughs> uh-huh. and so- I think that we're all being more honest with the, with ourselves mm. um, now, uh, and I think that's a good thing. We actually are wondering why do we do specific things, um, and and does it add any value to our lives or those around us? Does it make us happy? Um, mm. And so I'm a very optimistic person, just naturally. But this last year, I have definitely, um, just like everybody else, had those you know those downs with those with those ups, and I think that. Uh, that is not a bad thing for to sit and reflect to say, okay, why am I feeling like that? What is not bringing me happiness? Um, mm. What am I doing that I'm really not enjoying? Um, mm. more? And and I think that that is really important, um, more more so than ever now, for us to just dial into ourselves. I just love the fact you're right. I, I just love. I, I mean, the world is really going on autopilot a lot of the times, you know. I'm I, I'm I, like I said, I'm I'm terrible at small talk, you know, so in my in my life, like I, I, I don't put a lot of time for small talk. I, I like high level, deep conversation about, you know, things that matter to me and, and my wife and family or, or my close, you know, friends. And, and other than that, you know, I kind of go on. But I, I feel like even for you, 
it's just so great to get the perspective of you. You know, I, I, I walked away from your podcast feeling like, oh, my God, I really love Manjeet. She's a great human, you know, okay. and and the whole way you you, you kind of did the interview is very, very personable and very relaxed, you know, very conversational. And it's, you know, you see somebody on TV and that's this what I'm saying is that, you know, they right. might say because because you are you're you're you can be a very shrewd person on TV with with yeah. your opinions and very, very dead down. But then. When you sit down and have a conversation with you, it's like people do. You're right. People do go on the cover. They'll they'll go on the first impression or if they hear a soundbite and they're like, oh, that's it. Right. There's my opinion. And I think it's important to know that one individual is got many aspects to them. If you start mm. asking me um, about money or start pitching me, you will get a different manji than you will get. <laughs> A different Manjeet if I saw you at my daughter's school. You will get a different Jeez. Manjeet around a, uh, um, a public company board table that I am a part of. Or you will get a different Manjeet if, um, you know, uh, in my own boardroom or in, uh, you know, being involved in a charity. Like, you will get a different Manjeet everywhere and you will get a different Ryan. And that mm. is okay. We are multiple people. Mm. And that is okay because we do have to always treat um, different occasions and different parts of her life with a different um, Manjeet. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's okay. And, yes. and, 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 I, and I think that we are all multiple people. We are not all the same all the time. Mm. And mm. that is the human person. That is the human life that gives mm. us um, all of those different aspects and perspectives that we have. And I think for anybody to think that anybody is tough all the time or too soft all the time or too nice all the time or, or too mean or all the time, that is not, that is not who they are. It is depending mm. on what situation they are in and with who they are mm. at that moment. Um, mm. and, and I think that that's okay. Like we are mm. all different with our parents than we are with our spouses. And, and that, that is a part of living. Um, mm. and having, like you say, different conversations. I love that. No, I love that. Last question to you is this, is how do you nurture, how do you nurture relationships? Th this is what I want. I would give you transparency. What I want to get better at with my show and my podcast is how should I, what is your tips on nurturing relationships with some of the guests that you feel you connect with, especially the ones that are consistently getting pitched and are so scared of just like, another annoying person so to speak annoying person like mm -hmm. my biggest thing is ryan look at this person hear what they say figure out their situation and then immediately try to figure out how you can add value to them because to me that's the best yep. way is that if you can mm -hmm. add value to somebody you're you're you're, you're sending them a different signal than i want to take you're actually saying i want to give you know and you said it in your podcast too which i like because you brought up and you said you know if i'm gonna mentor somebody like my time is valuable. I love to mentor everybody, but I can't like, and if I do, I, like I need some value back because you know, I'm giving, right. I need to, I need to learn something too, because I want to make good use of my time. And I, th I thought about it. I'm like, no, she's very right on that. Very right. It's a very give and take kind of relationship. Yeah. I think that you do have to value the other person's time and <clears throat> that what they need also in their life. And like you say, you know, it is a lonely life being an entrepreneur often, mm. uh, being a CEO being, cause there just aren't that many people functioning at that level to understand no. also what no. you're going through. Yeah. Um, and so you can have small talk. Great, but it doesn't actually mean anything. And so I think you have to see. <laughs> what can Thank I God provide. for saying that. Thank you for saying that. I don't think so you give true. a hoot about 
about the what the weather is like in Calgary, right? Yeah. Um, so we won't go there kind of thing. But I do think that you always have to bring something to the table, and I always do that too. Listen, I ask for what I'm looking for, but I also know that, listen, they're looking for something too. Is it a network? Is it an introduction to something? Is it mm. um, insight into my own business and how things are made? Or is it, um, you, you know, capital? Is it? financing is there's so mm. many other there's so many things that we are all looking for constantly right mm. and i think that it is one it is important for us to um step into somebody else's shoes no matter who they are and no matter mm. how much they you think that they have there are always pieces to that puzzle missing oh, and if you can and if you can help hand those puzzle pieces over or help introduce them um, to where to find those puzzle pieces, you will have made a connection, a relationship that will last for a very long time to come. Do you think you have anything currently in your life that you struggle with that you're trying to bridge gaps to that you're you're trying to work on? Not, not even as a skill, but just in general, like something that keeps coming up where you're like, Jesus, damn thing keeps coming up. And I. Yeah, I keep getting a fail on this. Like, I need to, I need to fix this. Is there anything for you, or are you kind of good to go? Oh, there are. I'm not necessarily willing. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. I, I was trying. I was trying. I was trying. I was trying. My tonality was oh, even good on that. I, I was trying to get you to go time. there. Progress, not perfection. Progress. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, Manjeet. No, this has been this has been really good. I, I, I really enjoyed this. Hi, I'm Manjeet Minhas, and I was just on the Ryan Holtz podcast. I am co-founder and CEO of Minhas Breweries, Distilleries, and Wineries, and I am a dragon on CBC's Dragon's Den. Oh, I love that. That's great. Manjeet, you're so great. I, I want to keep this conversation going. Let me know how Definitely. I can do that. You are, it's so nice to speak to somebody that's in Calgary too, because I feel like you're in my backyard. I'm in Edmonton and Fairmont. And so I'm like, everybody's in Toronto or they're.